So let's go ahead and get started. And uh, I wanted to share with you something that I read this morning. And, um, and if you read out of your quarterly at all, you probably read it too. But I thought this is a really neat message for what we're learning. And I love this story as well because Jesus is always so good to give us an evidence of his leading before we even ask sometimes. He doesn't want us to just have blind faith. Because I'll tell you what, when we started the school, we had no idea how to start a school. I'd worked at Dr. Thomas's, and his was a medical missionary school. You know, it was fairly organized and things like that. But to really go out and start a school from scratch, we just like stepped out in faith and we're like, okay, God, you want us to do this, we'll do it. And I'll tell you what, if you want a prayer life, step out in faith because believe you me, you're going to be praying and on your knees a whole lot. So that, you know, that's, uh, the, the, the neat thing is God does not just have us step out because he showed us miracle after miracle and that kept encouraging us. And people were even saying, we've never seen such miracles happen. We were, I think we started in September, even talking about starting a school. And by January, we were already up and running by the end of January. And even the people from the state said, oh, it takes at least a year to get approved. You're never going to get approved to start in January. So we just prayed and we moved on. And sure enough, they came and made their visit, and they were so impressed, they even gave us an extra, I think they gave us like the four years from the start. And they're like, we never do that for the first school. And even when we recently got accredited a couple years ago, they gave us six years for us to ever have to go through that process again. And they're like, we never do this for the first, you know, the first time that we accredit. But they were so impressed. And, you know, when people come and they say, we feel something here, something is different. You know, and even the people that came, doctors and stuff from the accrediting agencies, they were like, we're so impressed. We're just so impressed. You know, and we know that's it's not us, but it's God working through us and, and, and his spirit being there in our school. So we can never take any of the credit because I know that it's only been by God's grace and his leading that he does these things. But the fun part is, is we get to be a part of it. You know, it's exciting for us to be a servant to God, you know, and it's a joy. So I want to share this story, and it's from Luke 5. And it says, Jesus was out preaching, and, and he saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. So he entered into one of the boats which was Simon's, and prayed that someone would thrust him out. And sure enough, someone kind of pushed him out off the land. And he, it says, now when he had left speaking, he had spoken, given a sermon, he told Simon, launch out your nets into the deep and let them down. So pretty much go out there in the deep water and go fishing. And of course, we know what Simon said. Do you remember? I've been fishing all night. I've been fishing all night and have gotten nowhere. Why are you asking me in the middle of the day or whatever to throw up my, you know, the nets into the deep? But what happened? He obeyed anyway. And what, what happened to his nets? So much that the fish came running into the nets, right? 
and the net started to break. So he calls his buddies, James and John, right, his partners, his business partners, says, hey, come on out. So they bring their boat out too. And it said that both boats were full to the verge of sinking. Can you imagine? And it wasn't just one boat. It was two boats to the verge of thinking. I mean, to the, yeah, almost sunk. So how would you feel if that happened to you? Right? Isn't that exciting? Isn't that a great way to start a ministry? And it says that, let's see here. There was something else I wanted to bring out in this. It says, launch in the deep, and Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Do things always make sense when God asks us to do something? No. no. But does God call us? Yes. Are we fully prepared when God calls us? Right? We're not always fully prepared. If we waited till we knew everything about starting a school, everything about massage therapy and hydrotherapy, when would we have started a school? Never. <laughs> no. We would have never started a school. And even teachers, I tell them, you're never going to know everything. But go for it, and God will give you what you need. Does that mean you're just supposed to wait on God, or should we be studying all in between? Right? Because it says, study to show yourself approved. Right? So we're to keep studying. Has God called you as medical missionaries? Yes. Yes, great. That's not a very powerful yes. <laughs> Has God called you as medical missionaries? Yes. Absolutely, we know. Wow. <laughs> yes, he has. Now, are you fully equipped no. to do everything to know about every no. disease? No, but will God equip you and you will keep studying and learning anatomy, physiology. There's so many books. I mean, you just go to these booths out here. So many books to learn how to do things. You've got computer. You've got YouTubes. You know, you can even put in probably hot fermentation on the YouTube. I've seen, you know, Wildwoods, YouTubes, and different of our lifestyle centers right on there. And they show you and they take you through how to do these treatments. So we have all this knowledge at our fingertips, all the how-to knowledge. So keep learning, and as you work with people and pray, God will give you the wisdom. Because, and I love this too, because right away, God says, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Right? And isn't that our focus? You know, it's for mankind to bring them closer to Jesus. And medical missionary work is just a way to lead them to Jesus. So I love these stories, and there's so many stories and so many lessons to pull out of these simple little stories. So let's pray before we begin. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love and, and for you calling us to be medical missionaries, that we are privileged to have a part in your work and in your end work. So Father, I pray that you will give us healing hands for you that we may go out, and that we may be fishers of men. In your name we pray, amen. All right. wanted to go over. Have you guys ever heard these words, counter-strain or reciprocal inhibition? Good. Oh, so if you go to the chiropractors, PTs sometimes use these type of things. 
And um, they're very simple, and I don't worry about the big words. You know, if you forget the words, not a big deal. But the idea, oops, come on. Oh, here we go. You know, we want to get the idea of these things. Now, counter-strain was developed kind of by accident by a DO, doctor of osteopath named Dr. Lawrence Jones. And it is a way of shortening a muscle to relieve pain. Did you kind of get that yesterday from what Tanya was talking about? You can relax a muscle just by shortening it, right? Hold in a position of comfort for 90 seconds, and it's very easy and effective treatment. Now, if you look over here, that's Dr. Lawrence Jones. And actually, the mentor to Tanya knew Dr. Lawrence Jones. They, they would discuss muscles and therapies and things back and forth between each other. And uh, he accidentally came across this by when he had a patient one day that came in, had been in some type of an accident, and was kind of just like crawling on into the office. And he said, you know what? I'm really busy with my other patients. And he told his assistant, get him on a table, but put him in a comfortable position, whatever it takes. So she propped him with pillows and put him in this strange kind of position, but he was comfortable. And so he fell asleep. So the doctor finally gets in there about 20 minutes, half an hour later, and he's like, oh, you know, Mr. So-and-so, he wakes up. He's, and so he, he's actually able to sit on the side of the, the table, and he says, how are you doing, sir? And he goes, wow, I came in here in a lot of pain, but I feel so much better now already, just resting here. And so, of course, Dr. Lawrence started thinking, hey, you know, I know when he came in, he was in a lot of pain. What happened to get him out of pain without him even touching him? And I know my mother's back goes out sometimes, or she'll call me from Pennsylvania with some type of an injury. And I will tell her to get in a position of comfort, no matter how strange it is. If you bring your arm up over here, if your leg is up on something, but to be comfortable because what you're doing is shortening that muscle that's in spasm and giving it a chance to rest. And there's actually like a signal that goes to the brain that says, hey, you can relax now. It's not tense when you shorten it up. Now I wanted to share with you a little bit about some muscle anatomy. Here's a tight muscle. You know, tight muscles get kinked up. They really do. And when they get kinked up, they get longer or shorter. Right? They get shorter. So can we fix this, say this chain? Can we take the kink out by pulling on it harder? No. Right? You have a sore, you know, hamstring or something like that, and you're like stretching it, stretching it. Are you going to get rid of that pain? No. no. You know, you can actually do damage by stretching muscles that aren't calmed down. Because what's it doing? It's pulling here, and it's pulling up here. Because these are where the hamstring as it originates here and inserts into here. And we have the tendons at the ends, and that's what gets pulled. And a lot of times you'll feel the pain in either end. But there's really a kink somewhere along the muscle often. And sometimes it is closer to the tendon. So it's just like this chain here. One of my boyfriends in the past gave me this. And it kinks up all the time. I don't wear it. But I, it's great for presentations. <laughs> but you can see this. If I pull on it, am I going to get the kinks out? No. But if I shorten it, right, I shorten it, wiggle it around a little bit, 
I can get some of these kinks out of here and then it can go back to its normal length again. And it's very similar with muscles. Keep pulling on it, you're not going to get anywhere, but if you let it shorten, work on it maybe a little bit, and then let it, I can't even get all the kinks out of here, <laughs> but you know that you need to shorten it in order to get the kinks out, right? Does that make sense? So we take a look at a muscle. This is your biceps muscle. We have the tendon which connects the muscle to the bone, right? And again, do we have a lot of circulation in these tendons? Not really. They're, they're um, sheaths. We have a little bit. You know, you even have um, circulation going through your bones through certain ways. But our, most of our circulation is here in the red, where we see that nice red meaty muscle. That's where we have a lot of blood supply. So in most often, the trouble is in the muscle, not so much in the tendon, unless your tendon starts tearing. And sometimes when a tendon starts pulling off the bone, do you know what the body does in response? If you keep yanking at it, say even carpal tunnel, you keep yanking at this muscle here, a tennis elbow, it's more tennis elbow than carpal tunnel actually, and you keep yanking at this bone, what does it create there? Right, exactly. It says, hey, we better reinforce this tendon because it keeps getting yanked on. Let's add some more calcium to make sure we're not going to pop it right off the bone. So the body creates more calcium and it will do it in the shoulders where you can get these bone spurs. It will do it here. It will do it on your heel. So anywhere where you have constant pulling, the body reacts and says, hey, let's seal it down. Let's make sure it's not going to pop off. So calcium deposits and calcium spurs are very jagged and they're very painful. Has anybody ever had a bone spur here? You can get them in your neck, on your spine, but as we increase circulation and work it out, it can actually dissolve just as simply as it came. So don't feel, because I even had a friend, he had a bone spur. He was a physician and he had an x-ray and he's like, that's the biggest bone spur I've ever seen and it was on himself. But it resolved after he took care of the problem. So these things can go away. Now, coming back to strain counter strain, to shorten a muscle. Do you remember that muscle called the psoas? There's how it's spelled. And where is that located? Where's the psoas located? Right, right in here, right? So we have the psoas, which is right in here, attaches onto the top of your leg here, and it goes back here onto your vertebrae. <coughs> and when do we want to treat psoas? Lower back pain. Yes, we're going to learn a lot more about lower back pain. There is a very simple way to shorten your psoas. All you need is a chair or your couch, and you cross your legs. See that, how his feet are crossed? You bring your knees out slightly and you just bend your knees. And a lot of times that takes care of it. So this is all you do and usually if I have a couch or chair, because my psoas will get tight. If I'm traveling a lot and sitting, this gets all shortened. So what I want to do is if it starts bothering me, cross my legs, bring my knees up, bring them apart just a little bit and, and have my feet on the couch or something and relax that way. So I've put myself in a shortened position and it'll send that signal to the brain to say, ah, oh, 
you can relax now. And then after that, you can actually even stretch it just by going like this once it's relaxed. And if you're brave enough, you can even go in yourself and put some pressure here. And it's usually, if you're going to put pressure on yourself, you feel for your ASIS. Everybody stand up. This will be a little anatomy lesson for you. You all know where your navel is, your belly button, right? <laughs> right? So point to your belly button. There's your belly button, all right, or your navel. Now, feel in the front here where the bone sticks out the most. This is part of your pelvis bone called your anterior superior iliac spine. We just call it the ASIS for short. And right in between there is pretty much where the psoas is down deep. Now, we always want to be very, very careful with this because what do we have underneath here? Right? We have some more muscles, and then we have the appendix is usually on the right side. So, but if you're on the right side, you know, the appendix is down a little bit further. But you'll also have the colon. And usually if you go in gently, and remember, we never want to cause pain, right? But you can swim in gently as you're relaxing. So say you're like this, and your feet are up here, and they're resting on something, it's going to relax. And you can just slowly go in there. Or what I will do is, when mine gets tight, I'll just lay like this and just put my hand here like this, and then just gently lay right on it. So making sure that it's between my belly button and my ASIS, right in the middle there, and then just kind of lay on it and let it relax. So it's just another way of helping that psoas relax, except that's a little more of a stretched position but still effective, right? And you can stretch it kind of like this, too, to kind of feel it. So, but the psoas is just very, very important muscle. And an easy way to strain counter-strain to get relief in 90 seconds often is just by doing this. Very, very simple. Let's see. OK, you can go ahead and sit down. <laughs> All right? Again here, shortening muscles to positions of comfort. Say in your glute. Your glute is your opposite muscle right to the psoas. Our psoas brings our knee up. Our glute brings our, our leg back. So a lot of times you might get some soreness right in here, anywhere along your glute. And of course, we're going to be talking about uh, sciatic pain. So what you can do is just find a point that's tender on somebody and shorten that muscle. And anywhere you are, even if it's tennis elbow here, you put it that way and you shorten the muscle. So remember we talked about trigger point? So if you're doing trigger point, if you can figure out how to make the muscle shorter, while you're doing the trigger point, it's even more effective. Now Dr. Lawrence and, and PTs and everybody doing testing to see how long does a person need to stay in a shortened position in order to get that signal to the brain. Well, it came out that 90 seconds is sufficient. So if you're sore, like even between your shoulders and you bring your shoulder blades back, say you're laying down, because you have to relax when you're doing this, but you lay like that for a while and see if that pain doesn't go away. So, and you need to know a little bit of anatomy, but you know what? You can just punch it right up on the computer, right? 
say what kind of muscles, back muscles, and see which way they go. Where do they go from? And there's a book that I read called Hold and Fold and Hold. So you're just kind of folding your body into a comfortable position, and then you're holding for 90 seconds. Same exact idea. So a very, very simple way, without needing to get in there and grind on people, you just have them do position of comfort. And when I explain that to my mom, she'll call me back later and she'll be like, I feel so much better. Usually I'm laid up for a few days because of this, you know, and I haven't even touched her. <laughs> I just tell her, get in a position of comfort, right? Not stretching it. It's the exact opposite. So however you would stretch it, it would be the opposite thing. Get in that position and stay how long? 90 seconds. Very, very simple technique. We do it on the neck. So we just figure out kind of where the pain is. And we can figure it out by letting them get into different positions. Say, yep, that's the most comfortable. So then we know it's probably something on this side. See, and we can put in, you know, we can use a little bit of trigger point at the same time. We don't always have to. We just take a neck and put it in a position, whether it's rotational, up and down, even hyperextended like it is here, but how it's comfortable, how it's most comfortable, or even laterally like this. So it's just a very simple technique, but so, so effective. You know, I went to Dr. Hungerford's class. She, she's known as kind of the mother of sports massage. And so she was having some classes out there in California. So I paid like $500 for a week of classes there. And this is all we did. For all different types of muscles, that's all we did the whole time. And I'm like, I thought this was a sports massage class. <laughs> you know, we're like, this is too simple. But when you start using it on clients and on ourselves, it's like, wow, this stuff really does work. So it's very simple. And I'm sure there are books out on it, but if you just know your basic anatomy or anybody knows how to get in a position of comfort, right? So just do that. There's another thing called reciprocal inhibition. This is going on to a different thing now, just different ways of relaxing muscles. Remember we talked about the agonist and the antagonist muscle, right? Our biceps. Might be our agonist, so our opposite or antagonist muscles are our triceps. In the arms, we have our extensors that extend our hand, and then we have our flexors that actually flex our hand. All right? So we, w which one is your, if I have pain here, is this the only place where I should be working? No, right? Good, you guys are learning you need to pay attention to both of these. Now the thing with reciprocal inhibition is when one muscle is flexing, it tells the other brain to relax the other muscle. Can you imagine if both muscles worked at the same time? They'd be fighting all the time, you know? But our bodies are set up with our brain. If our hamstring is getting stretched, then the other one is pretty much contracting. So if this one's contracting, it's, it's allowing this one to rest. So really, you're not contracting it while you're doing that. But whenever one muscle is working, the opposite one is relaxing.
So what happens when you have a cramp? We use this mostly when people have a bad cramp in their leg or wherever they get cramps. Some get them in their glutes, some get them in their feet and their toes curl all in because of these cramps. Easy way to get rid of a muscular cramp. There are a lot of athletes that get cramps. So think about reciprocal inhibition. If you have a cramp in your calf, how do you think you would get rid of it? You're, you're getting closer. Remember, two muscles, your antagonist and antagonist, cannot contract at the same time. So if this one here is in spasm, it's contracting, right? Because their foot's going like this. It's pulling, it's contracting, they're in a lot of pain. Okay, you're getting closer. That's it. You want to contract the opposite muscle because it will force this one to relax. So she said anterior tibialis, which is right here in the front. So in order to do that, I would grab this guy. He's usually like this. I would push his foot down and say, pull up. Pull your toes up towards your knee against my resistance. That's going to make the tibialis work. So if you feel that, go, go ahead and push up against your hand. Do you feel this front muscle working? And feel the back muscle. It should be relaxing. See? It makes it soft. That is a quick way to get it rid of a cramp. No matter where you have a cramp, what they used to teach us is you take it and you massage it hard and you beat on it. It's like, yeah! Beat that muscle. <laughs> You're going to be really, really sore afterwards. But the idea is make the opposite muscle work so that that one can relax. Yes? Yes. Yeah, sometimes they do. They have potassium deficiencies or other deficiencies, like when they wake up in the night and they cramp. You know, that's kind of a little bit of a different thing, but you can still get rid of it the same way. Just tell them, when you're lying in bed, put your foot on your other one and pull your toes up. You know, and a lot of times they can get rid of that. But yes, deficiencies do cause cramps as well. When the toes are cramping, when the toes are cramping, you're going to have muscles that are underneath here. So you're just going to do the opposite thing. So if they're cramping this way, we're going to try to force them to pull them up like this to use the opposite muscles. Yes, under resistance. I'd be holding my hand kind of on them and under resistance. So if you're prone to cramps yourself, you know, this is an easy way to get rid of them or if you have a husband or know somebody that is or if you're playing out in the field, quick, easy way to do it. And then you want to rub the muscle afterwards because you want to get the circulation back in there. So rub, get that circulation back in there, and then they're good to go. Okay, and again here, relieving a muscle cramp in the calf, just press down this bottom of the foot, or the top of the foot, and have them pull their foot up toward their knee. And if it's in the bottom of the foot, have them curl their toes back.
extending them. All right, any questions on that? Okay, good. Just want to get those simple things in there. And let's move that one out of the way. Now I want everybody to get up and we're going to do our little limp thing. You know, the other day I, I tripped over something and I hit my calf and it reminded me of something. There was a while ago, I had an old garage door when we first moved into this house before we replaced it and it had been raining outside. So part of it had fallen down. It was supposed to be up, but it fell down a little bit. And then you can jog in place a little bit, right? This is good to do when we travel, right? All right. Then shake, shake your legs out. Good, good. So anyways, the phone rang and I ran around to get the phone after I was taking the trash cans out and my, my face hit the corner of this wooden garage door coming down. It hit me right across here and here. And so I have a mirror in my entryway. So I, I, I went into the house and I looked in the mirror and I saw this big dark blue thing already. And I was seeing stars and I was like, no, no, I'm gonna look like I got beat up. So someone had told me to do lymph massage, I mean years, or at least a year before, if you get bruised or get hurt or an injury, lymph massage right away, just like this. And so I did that. And down my neck where I know that the lymph go, and I was just doing this and doing this, and then I got ice and I started using the ice, and so every few minutes I kept doing that. I found a little oil that I had in the fridge and I was using oil, just anything to move this, Lymph massage is very, very light. It's almost like those strokes that we did. So you barely even need to, because lymph is very close to the skin. So we can move it powerfully. So I did that. And you know, the next day, all I had was a scab here and a scab here. No more black and blue. Because I'm telling you what, I would have had a shiner for who knows how long. And so I was so thankful someone had told me that. So I know lymph massage is powerful. One time I was out walking with one of my, uh, my business partner at the time, and she had fallen in a hole, twisted her ankle, ended up it was an evulsion fracture in her ankle, and she had twisted her other knee. And uh, so anyways, in the emergency room, I was doing that. I was already applying lymph massage. It's the safest thing that you can do. You're not gonna cause any blood clots, you're not going to cause any problems because you're doing it so lightly. And so we did that and just feather stroked in her ankle right here is where it pulled off the ankle and just kept doing that. And then of course she wrapped it with herbal stuff and you know because there's nothing that they could do but give her a soft cast or whatever. But within days she was walking on it again. And within weeks we were out hiking and she, she could hardly remember which leg it was. You know, she did a lot of nutrition things and wrapped it and things like that, but we did a lot of right at the very beginning of injury. You know, because what do they tell you? And what, we're gonna do a little stretching here in the meantime. So what do they tell you when somebody gets injured? How long are you supposed to wait till you do anything? Just ice, compression, elevation, right, rest. So, I don't believe you should wait 24 hours for this thing to inflame 
cause more damage. Do what you can do. Ice is great, but also add just this little bit of lymph massage. It's not going to hurt anything. You can do it right in the emergency room. And it's also very calming for the person. And let's just twist a little bit. So next time you think you're going to have a bruise, do your little lymph massage. Just like this. Everybody do that. Say you bruise your shin. You're going to lymph massage and you're going to work right up your leg. Just dragging your fingers, the whole fingers here. And then you can always pump here a little bit because this is where your lymph nodes are. And then you come back down again. And it's the same thing for the arm. We have our lymph in here, so you could just pump just a little bit. And then going like this and filling those lymph vessels. And you'll be amazed at how much less swelling, bruising, and all of that that you're going to have. So it even worked in my face, which I was so thankful for. <laughs> I, could you imagine the stories I'd have to tell people? <laughs> so all right, you can sit down again. So make sure you're going to be awake. How many of you know anybody with frozen shoulder or has had frozen shoulder? Have any of you had frozen shoulder? That is a tough, tough thing. The funny thing about frozen shoulder, you can take it and it just stops. You know, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's not even painful at all. I remember I had a gal when I went back to Pennsylvania. She had called me up and she, she, um, she had a health food store and did, did sold a lot of health products and things like that in a town not too far away. And she says, Corolla, I have frozen shoulder. And I said, wow, well, what happened? She says, I went to reach for my seatbelt and something popped. And that was it. From then on, she wasn't able to hardly move her arm. And the more you do that, it was, it was probably at least eight months or a year that she had this frozen shoulder. And she learned to work around it. And yes, I remember now, she was a therapist at the time. So she would still work on her clients like this. <laughs> I remember her telling me that with her frozen shoulder, she just learned how to work around it. Whatever she did, she learned how to work with this much range of motion. And so even being a therapist, she went around, and she was a teacher at a school. So she went around to her different students and different therapists and said, work on my shoulder, free my shoulder up. She said she'd get bruised. They would do all kinds of things to her, but could not get that frozen shoulder unstuck. So I said, well, Nancy, I said, if you can come to the house every day for three days in a row, just for you know half an hour, hour treatment, I'll treat you. You don't need to pay me or anything. Just um, let me work on you. Because I'd learned these frozen shoulder techniques. And, um, and I know that they were working. So she was like, OK. You know, so sure enough, she came down. And I worked on her one day. And, uh, and then you know, she had a little bit of range increase and then the next day I worked on her and uh, then later on she called me I think it was the next day and she says Corolla I wanted to wait till tomorrow no it was that night I wanted to wait till tomorrow to show you how I could just throw both my arms up in the air she says but I'm so excited I have to call you and tell you she says here I was out mowing the lawn which she used to do anyway and she said she felt something just kind of break apart, break apart. And just like that, 
her frozen shoulder was gone, and she's fine now. And uh, sometimes it's just that simple, and that was only after a couple treatments. And again, very, very gentle treatments. Now, I've seen what they do at physical therapy. I did like a rotation for my schooling, my master's degree. And so I wanted to hang out with the physical therapist and see what it was like in his office for you know, a week or two. And so I would see these frozen shoulders that they would take, lay them on a table, and just force it down. And they would be crying. Tears would be coming down. They'd be kicking on the table. And I was like, no, this is barbaric. I can't believe they still do such a thing. Then they have them climb up on the wall. Very, very painful. Well, you know what? Anything we do, it should not be painful, right? It should never be what on the pain scale? More than, more than a six, right? A six or a hurt so good, you know? If it doesn't hurt so good, even if it's just at a six and it, it's really bothering, you might be on a nerve, you might be somewhere where you shouldn't be, get off of it, you know, type of thing. But we should never be causing pain. So just through simple techniques of working the pectoralis major, and we'll go over some of these muscles here. You can actually relieve frozen shoulder within just a few treatments. And not that, that you guys, I mean, we have a whole routine which we, we plan to teach a little bit later on when we do the uh, health professionals because we don't have enough tables for you guys. It really takes a table because I'd love to show you, but I'll show you some basics that will still be very helpful. And this is adhesive capsulitis. And you can see it's inflamed, thickened. And a lot of times, well, if you look at that, can you see how that joint is totally protected? There are lots of ligaments, lots of, lots of um, tendons and things that protect that because that's not even the muscles on top of it. That's just the joint in there. And then there are different things that may cause it. Cervical disc disease, diabetes, shoulder injuries, people being in one of these slings for a long period of time, uh, open heart surgery, hyperthyroidism. So it can have quite a few different um, reasons for coming about. Common treatments, what do they do? Cortisone shots. Now cortisone shots will actually break down your tissue, so you should never have more than three in a lifetime is what they say. But sometimes people get more, <laughs> you know. So cortisone shots, which can be painful at first. Uh, physical therapy, ultrasound, electrical stem, range of motion, you know, trying to get them up. And arthroscopic surgery, sometimes they'll do surgery in there. And other times they will manipulate under anesthesia, where they will knock you out and they will thunk. And they've known to even break arms doing this. I remember reading an article just recently about that, and I was like, oh, my goodness. But sometimes they can yank it, you know, back into place again. After a while, yeah, it can get calcified as well. But frozen shoulder is just very unique from other, other joint things because you don't get frozen hip, you don't get frozen... You know, and some people say it has a whole psychological basis to it as well. So it's hard to say because it's just such a kind of mystery thing. Now we know that the rotator cuff plays a big role in frozen shoulder. The rotator cuff is right in here. And what I want you to do is find your own rotator cuff. If you put your hand to the side and you bring 
your fingers down just over your shoulder, right in here, kind of at the corner, and lift up your arm. Do you feel how it kind of sinks in a little bit? That little dip, that is your rotator cuff. Now when you're relaxed, you can actually feel in there and see if you're tender. So if you were to put this against the wall here, it'll be relaxed a little bit more. And then you can feel it, and you can actually work in there a little bit. You see how it's kind of C-shaped right along there? Well, you have four major rotator cuff muscles that attach right in this area here. And have you heard of people getting rotator cuff tears and things like that? You know, I, I believe that seldom are they actually totally torn. A lot of times they may be strained, maybe a little bit torn. Because we can look at the supraspinatus muscle. These are one of the most common ones that the doctors say are probably torn or people having injuries is the supraspinatus. Okay, can you guys say that? Supraspinatus, right? So supra just meaning it's higher, right? It's on the spine of the scapula. So it's above, so it's supraspinatus. And if you look, it goes right underneath that part of the scapula. And then it attaches right there onto what we call the greater tubercle. And then we have the infraspinatus. Remember when you were doing chair massage? The muscle right on the scapula there. So if you follow it, and it'll attach right there. That is your infraspinatus, because it's below the spine of the scapula. This is the spine of the scapula here. So they call it the infra, meaning inferior to, right? So can you feel that? Do you feel any trigger points in there? Do you feel any tender spots in your infraspinatus? A lot of people have tight infraspinatus and have no idea. Oh yeah, that's one of your rotator cuff muscles because if this is tight, where is it pulling? Exactly, it's going to pull here because look at the attachment site here is big. The origin is very big, but where it inserts, it's a small area, right? So which one's going to be more painful? You're going to feel it more in here. And remember, when you first start out with pain, you might feel it here, and then it becomes more and more diffuse as it becomes chronic. Then we have the teres minor, and it's just kind of on the bottom of your, just below the infraspinatus and to the side. See, the infraspinatus comes right here, and then we have this one also attaching to the same area there, but it's just down lower. So, and a lot of people have tight teres muscles, so kind of like right in here. All right, do, do, you, do you guys feel tightness in there? Yeah. See, and how many people work these muscles for you? And then we have good old subscapularis. Al, do you have? Question. Yes. The teres minor? Yes. You know, it probably was just tight. You know, and you can also have small tears in muscles, especially athletes. 
you get tears every time you're out there extending. If you're if you're lifting weights, you know, how do you think your muscles grow? They, they rip and tear, <laughs> you know, but the body quickly takes care of that, but that's how they grow. So whenever you exercise, I had a hemophiliac friend, every time after he would exercise, whether he's playing tennis or soccer, he always had to ice his joints because they would bleed. Because the muscles get tiny, mini tears when you exercise hard and they actually bleed, but we cut them off because we have good platelets and good factors in our blood that will help to coagulate that and, and, and heal it over very quickly. We may have some soreness afterwards, but he actually had bleeding in the joints because he didn't have that factor eight to stop the, stop the bleeding. So even just exertion on the muscles tears them. And when you're hemophiliac, that's not a good thing because then they end up with this hemoarthrosis. It's not a pretty thing. So, but yeah, so he was saying volleyball, you know, they got just going like this. Yeah, you can get the rotator cuff, but they do heal. All right, and you guys remember how to get to the subscap, you know, very carefully, you know, being careful always. So that's um, that, and then we also have our pectoralis major muscle. You guys know how to get to that, right? You can even take it and squeeze it, right? Your pec muscle. So pretty easy there. Underneath is your pec minor. Your pec minor is deeper under there. If you look at the clavicle, here's a better picture. This is actually part of your scapula. It's a process coming from your scapula. That's why when this muscle is tight, and it pulls here. Where's your scapula? <laughs> it's in the back here, right? So sometimes you have pain down in here or somewhere around your scapula. It could just be pec minor muscle that's pulling that whole scapula forward and to give you pain even between your shoulder blades and down lower. So pec minor is another one of those muscles. And if you feel for your clavicle and come down about you know, if you look in the picture there, you'll see it's not at your arm, but just a little medial here. You can actually feel, and a lot of times it's tender, past the pectoralis major right to the minor. So if you have shoulder pain or back pain back there, try working on your pec minor. And you can see where it attaches just to these ribs here, three, four, and five, and you can just work right on down here. But again, one of those muscles that are ignored a lot of the time, that aren't, you know, you can even kind of stretch it like this, push it and stretch it. See that? And then you can get that pec minor muscle. Mm -hmm. So these are muscles that are really important when we're dealing with frozen shoulder. Now a technique that I want to show, show you, that people who have shoulder pain, Sometimes all I do is this one move, and they're just like, oh my goodness, my pain's away. You're a miracle worker. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. It's just so simple because by getting in the rotator cuff, how many muscles are we affecting already? Those four. Remember the sits muscles? Supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor, and subscapularis. So we're affecting four muscles there at the same time. So if I can borrow your arm here, Violet, is that all right? 
So we know how to find the rotator cuff, right? We can bring the arm up to the side here, and I'll have her relax it. Just relax it against me. Yeah, just relax it. You won't mow me over. And then all I'm going to do is just kind of a little bit of side vibrations in here. And if I feel like there's a tight spot, right, can I trigger point it? Right? Yeah. I can easily trigger point it. Any tenderness in here? So she has a little bit. Hers seems to be a little bit more to the front. So what I'll do is just hold it there. And what number is that? Violet? Uh, like on the pain scale. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> like on the pain scale? Was it higher when I started? Yes. Yeah. So and, and even if I start at a five, six, that's fine. And then we just have her breathe and then relax. Great. And how is that now? Yep. So and then remember, once we get down to a two or three, then we can just move on. And it may just be that. So just working in here a little bit, jiggling around, feeling, pulling a little bit. Sometimes you'll find little strands in there. And then just that little bit can often do a lot to relieve a person's sore shoulder. Very, very simple. Let's all do that. Let's all do that. So there's four or four. Can I, can, can I, can I use your arm here? <laughs> so, so we'll bring her arm up here and just have her relax it. Yeah, if you can just totally relax it. And then I'm just going to work right in this soft area, just right along here. And a lot of people will have tenderness more anterior. Do you feel something in there? How much pressure do you get on this light? Light. Always light. Mm-hmm. I, I don't force, we don't force into the tissue. Because <laughs> remember when you were doing this cornstarch yesterday in the Play-Doh? Could you move her around a little bit so we could just see it real well on the video? Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you want to maybe face? And you can face and smile, and, and we can always do this one. So she can just lean it right up against me. And see, you can work with people that are in the um, shopping line, right? Oh, yeah, you have a problem in your shoulder? Oh, here, let me help you. <laughs> like I said, with massage, you make a lot of new friends. Yeah, so it's just real gentle, just getting into the cuff. You can go back and forth just a little bit. Oh, yeah, m maybe a minute, minute and a half. Okay. Yeah, if there's no tenderness in there, then it's, then it's probably another muscle. See, and if I wanted to work her pectoralis muscle, if I thought maybe that was tight, see, I could even go in from here and just work this muscle a little bit or show her how to work it. Because you want to be really careful when you're dealing with, see, and a lot of times I like to do both at the same time here. See, am I digging in anywhere? Am I causing any pain? No. No, and you don't need to because the muscle responds so much better to gentle touch. Because I've been to different centers where they've had therapists learn that, oh, you need to elbow in there and you need to get that muscle and conquer it, right? And you end up being bruised and more painful and you can actually hurt people. So when I go there and teach, they're like, wow, the gentle, and it works.
you know, and it works so much more effectively because we're working with the body, not fighting against it. See, and so, two, we have the infraspinatus muscle. Do we have easy access to it? Yeah, we can work that infraspinatus muscle, the one right here on the scapula. Real easy, just taking your fingers and working along it. If you find a tough spot, you know, or a tight spot, which often people have, you feel a little bit there. So she's got a few probably little trigger spots. You could just hold it for a little bit. See which one's the worst. And just hold it a little bit, have them breathe. You know, very, very simple. And then we just always give a little nice love in afterwards. Right? And remember, we're always praying for wisdom. We're always praying because you never want to do anything that's going to hurt anybody. And as long as you're gentle, you're not going to hurt anybody. All right? Okay, so you see the different types of muscles that affect if people have shoulder pain. We can work on the pecs. You can get a little deeper on the pec minor, right? And try them out on yourself in the nice little easy stretches. All right, let's see here. And then the other one is your deltoid, this big deltoid muscle. Again, easy access. You can just squeeze it. Doesn't it feel good just squeezing it a little bit? And if it's tight, it maybe has a trigger point. You can check it for trigger points. You hit a trigger point there. Seldom do we see a lot of problems in the deltoid. So we've already done this, palpating. So I think we're done with that. Thank you, Carola, for all that great information on the frozen shoulder. And um, I just have a, um, a few more things to share with you on the same subject, just a little bit of repetition, going over some of the same things a little different way. And um, something that you may have noticed um, with frozen shoulder is that sometimes you get a noise, like a grinding sign, sound happening in the joint. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard someone who has that grinding, popping noise in the joints. It doesn't always have to be just the, the shoulder. It could be happening in a lot of different places, knees, ankles, neck, all sorts of places. So if you um, hear that a joint is grinding, that's normally a pretty scary sound. I actually had a family member who came to me because they had frozen shoulder, and they were telling me, Tanya, I don't think you can really do anything to help me with massage because there's something wrong in the joint. It's not a muscular thing. The joint is actually something deep inside the joint. Something's wrong. And so they lifted their arm for me, and it was the most horrific sound. I could really hear a deep grinding noise inside the joint, and it sounds really scary. Um, sometimes people may have a grinding or popping noise in the joints but no pain and they're able to function just fine but they do have this noise in their joints. Now can anyone think what would pull the joint close together and cause it to grind? Any idea what might do that? <laughs> of course um, I'm a massage therapist so I tend to focus on the muscles but if the muscles get tight they'll actually pull the bones in close together and joints can start to grind. Now, if someone doesn't have any pain, um, do you think there might be some damage happening there? 
inside the joint. Yeah. So often people will say, oh, I have this disease condition, I have arthritis. Well, that is true, but sometimes things happen where muscles have been tight for a long time and things have been grinding and getting damaged and thinner and joints get a lot of damage when muscles are tight or not balanced and they pull things really close together. So um, it's amazing what you can do even just with massage to help these types of things. This particular person that I worked on, I'm going to share with you the techniques that I did, um, what I loosened up on her, but you can get 100% um, improvement even in one treatment. Sometimes if they've been having a lot of, if it's been going on for a long time, if one muscle gets tight, all the muscles of the rotator cuff eventually tend to get tight. And then from there, other muscles get tight as they're compensating. So sometimes it takes a little bit of time. And sometimes, you know, it may be a really good idea for someone to find a, a good trained massage therapist who can really work with them if they've had a major problem. But even at home, there are things that we can do. Sometimes we don't have anyone around us that can help us. Um, that's where the hydrotherapy, just that moist heat on the muscles really helps to get it relaxed. So with frozen shoulder, you often do see the shoulder a little forward like this. This is really common. And then just not being able to lift the arm. And as Corolla said, sometimes with pain and sometimes no pain. So um, what's, this is something that I learned and I was so excited when I discovered this is that when the infraspinatus is tight, and if you look at this muscle and where to touch, this, this um, muscle extends the arm. So when Corolla was saying that her client went to get the seat belt, she was using this muscle when that pop happened. And what actually happens, if you look at where that muscle attaches, it attaches um, kind of towards the front of the humerus so that you'd think if it got tight, it would just pull the arm back. Wouldn't you think that with an extensor? But what's interesting about infraspinatus is it doesn't work that way. Because it attaches towards the front, instead of just pulling the bone back, it actually pushes it forward and rolls it out. It's, and that's why so often we see people with frozen shoulder and they look like this because that's actually misaligning the bones. And then when someone goes to raise the arm, you have bone on bone happening because it's not where it's supposed to be. It's not aligned correctly in the joint. And if they keep trying, and even, you know, it's sometimes even we'll have to be careful about some of these exercises that are so painful because there's often there's damage occurring inside the joint. When people try to do things, when pain is our body's way of telling us, you're hurting me, don't do that. So we really want to pay attention. Also, when we hear grinding, popping noises in the joints, that's the body telling us, hey, I'm getting ground on in here. Relieve that tension on me. So the earlier someone goes for treatment or the earlier you get the muscles relaxed, the sooner, um, the less damage is going to occur. But often people go for years and things really get worn down in the joints and they start to have serious problems in the joints as well. And that's an excellent question. We want to know, won't the muscle just relax on its own? Sometimes it does. And um, someone was just mentioning how their Terry's major got tight playing basketball and after a few days it resolved itself. And sometimes it does. But I, 
I know any massage therapist will tell you this. They've, I've worked on people who've had a tight muscle for 20 years. And it stayed tight because when a muscle gets tight, the blood stops circulating. And um, it's so important to have that circulation. And it just, often it just stays tight. And um, there's some parts of the body that um, are also related to emotional stress, like in the front of the body. And um, often when you work on some of these areas, people will remember um, the muscle has an emotional memory too. Often people remember things when you start work on, working on those muscles. People will remember the accident or something that happened to tighten it. It's amazing how memories come back as you start to work on some of these muscles. And pe people can be in pain for 20 years. And as we talked about yesterday, often the pain isn't where the problem is. So often people keep working on where they feel the pain and then the problem never gets resolved resolved and it becomes a vicious cycle and the pain gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it's really bad. So sometimes the muscle is able to relax, um, get loosened on its own, but often the muscle just stays tight until it gets intervention. Well, um, that's, that's a little sign tells us that you're going, to, you're going to enjoy working on this today, and we'll see how it responds. <laughs> so if you've had, um, she was saying she's, someone has had that um, frozen shoulder, and it's resolved a lot, but there's still pain, and there's still, she can still feel something in there. That's telling you that there's still something not quite right, and so some treatment would be very, very useful. So what happens, we talked about when this bone gets pulled, rotated forward and out as it does, this actually misaligns the joint and that's what restricts the movement. And this is just a picture I pulled off the internet, x-ray of a frozen shoulder. And you can see how close the bone is. It's, it's kind of bone on bone there. Yeah, and often, if you think of bursa, bursitis, a bursa is something that's in the joint to cushion in the joint and keep it from grinding. So what's going to happen when the bones get pulled close together? They pinch the bursa, and then the bursa gets inflamed. So once again, we want to look at what's causing it and not just let's calm the bursa down. Let's take the pressure of the bursa, and then it's going to just feel the body will heal itself. It's really amazing. Um, once you take away the cause the body just fixes itself. So yeah, bursitis, um, a lot of these things, you'll be amazed at how much massage can help with some of these things that you wouldn't think massage would be at all useful for. But God made the body to fix itself. I don't think I know of any other machine or computer that if something goes wrong, that it will actually fix itself and keep functioning. Um, and once again, all we can do is help God's agents, the blood, to flow better and to be that our body fixes itself. <laughs> um, so the technique for this 
is to push on top of the shoulder blade with a fist. I put there a fist or knuckle just because when this gets really tight on people, um, it's really hard. That muscle just, um, it doesn't want to give in quickly and easily. So I don't recommend using the thumbs like the picture because your thumbs will get really, really tired. So I normally use a fist like this. And when I find, it's always good to start with broad pressure. If you think about the fact a muscle gets clogged, if you just poke into it, that, those waste products can't get out. So always start with a broad pressure. So I'll start out with just using a loose fist. And then as it loosens up and you start getting the circulation, I like to just roll my hand so that I use this one knuckle right there. And so that's easy on me. I can stand there all day. Often this muscle takes a little time to relax. When it's really tight, I'll normally use heat, moist heat, or there's something else I like to use called cupping. I don't know if you've heard of this, is where you take a little suction cup and you put it on the area. You don't, we don't want to leave it for a long time. That would be um, Chinese cupping. But massage cupping, we just leave it this cup on for a shorter time period. You can even move around with a suction cup, and it brings the blood and gets things moving. So there are a lot of different little tricks that you can use to get the blood circulating. This area, when it gets really tight on people, it just doesn't want to let go easily. So normally I always use something to help get the circulation going before I do the massage. And if they've had this condition for a while, they will normally need, need more than one treatment for sure. Um, after you've loosened the muscle, because it's pull, pulled the bone out, um, just have them lie down and very gently cup over the shoulder. And this is not a chiropractic move. We're not trying to do chiropractics. But if you just gently push down, often you'll hear like a pop sound and it will actually go back into place. And this is a picture from a research study that was done in Redlands. Um, I grabbed that off the inter internet. Um, testing this idea of just loosening the back where infraspinatus is and then gently pushing the arm back. Um, and it was doing it, um, they, they used electrical stimulation and heat. They didn't use massage because it was a physical therapy thing. Um, and in a clinical trial, this method showed greatly improved results versus the more traditional treatment of working on the front of, of the shoulder. And this research um, was so outstanding, the difference between this treatment versus the traditional treatment that it actually won the National Physical Therapy Award for 2007. So um, just because these techniques really work, I can't... Just in my experience, it's, they just work. The person that I worked on that had that grind, awful grinding sound, they couldn't lift their arm. I worked on them, and that same afternoon, that same person was up in their yard pruning trees with one of those long sticks with the little blades on the end where they're trying to prune up high above them. Um, of course, she needed a massage afterwards because you should never, ever, after you've just loosened a muscle, go and work it in that fashion. And all massage therapists will tell you stories of people that, you know, you spend all this time loosening the muscle and then right afterwards they want to, you know, they want to do push-ups on the floor. Oh, I feel so good. I'm going to run a marathon. You always want to rest and allow the body time to heal and recover, especially if it's really been traumatized, that area. 
So it's a very important thing is to rest it afterwards. Even though you can lift it, don't go overboard with it. So, okay, we'll wait just a little bit on the next technique. So what I'd like you to do is um, look at the person next to you, if there's anyone, and um, if you don't mind, if you want to come up, I'll show the technique on you. I'll have you. Sit. And what I'd like you to do is just face the, face the cloth, and this is the side. And often the pain will be towards the front of the shoulder. Because of the attachment for infraspinatus, um, there are fibers of connective tissue that go even a little further than what it shows on the anatomy. So often you'll feel pain more towards the front. And so maybe if you'll sit just facing that way. If you feel on the, on the back of the shoulder blade, you'll feel like a little ridge right here. This is called the spine of the scapula. And I'm just going to go about an inch or two inches below it more medially, but just on top of the actual shoulder blade. Feel any? And then often, when a, sh when a muscle's been tight for a long time, it's often numb when you first go to work on it. Often, sometimes we're just in a hurry and we'll kind of poke around and someone will say there's no tenderness. But often a whole area gets numb if, that does, if it hasn't had good circulation. So just work it for a little bit and make sure that it's not tender. Yeah, and often you'll find that at first people will say, no, I don't feel anything, I don't feel anything. But you'll be able to look at them and say, I, I can see this, he's tight, I can feel it's tight. But don't be discouraged and don't, you know, give it some time. Try to work it out. I'm using my thumb here because I find it uncomfortable to use my fist in this position. Maybe if I hold her here bra strap is a little bit right there where I want to be. I normally do this lying down. It's a little bit easier. See a little bit there? Not really. Yeah, you could feel more. I think it's probably easier today just to use the thumb in this position. What number would you say it is about? Okay, that's perfect. Start out gently. It's always best to start gently and see how they tolerate it instead of just, you know, attacking somebody. You can always go a little bit deeper. Four. Okay, nice deep breaths. And I really find better results if I stay under a five or under. I normally like a four or five in the muscle doesn't feel it's being attacked. Is it easing up at all? Perfect. So make sure within 30 seconds it's easing up. If it's not easing up, remember to just ease your pressure a little bit. And a lot of people get scared and they jump all the way out of the muscle. You don't want to do that. Just ease it up just a hair. Come out. Just a breath lighter until you find that perfect pressure. And when you get done, then just gently pushing back. Just a, and we're not trying to do chiropractic. We're not doing anything firm. But once you loosen what's pulling it out, 
it actually just wants to go back in place and you can just encourage the natural realignment, but we're not doing chiropractic work. Thank you. Often you'll hear a loud pop, but it is necessary for that whole area to be completely relaxed before that will happen. So um, it doesn't do any good to try to push back with that small amount of time. Often I'll work even for with someone really severe. I've spent you know 45 minutes to an hour just working on this on the shoulder because if you work gently within their pain tolerance, it just takes a while to get through all those layers of tightness. Um, and sometimes I see people several times before I'd even try to push back on the shoulder because all this has to be relaxed before it'll go back on its own. So just um, find a partner and see if you can find those muscles, if you find infraspinatus, and just try to feel around in there. A lot of us are tight in the infraspinatus. Actually, you don't have to. Yeah, just actually just like this is counter strain. This is it shortens the muscle a little bit. So if, see if you can feel where that little ridge is, the little bony ridge across the top. And then just go down about an inch. And feel around in there. And you want to just kind of feel and then sink in. It's a very strong muscle back there. I was using just my thumb because, yeah, you can use the knuckle easier when they're lying down, then you can just, you know, but in this position, I find it a little awkward, I was using my thumb. <laughs> Is she finding anything in there? It's right on top of the shoulder blade, so not in between. Here's that little ridge. You feel that right there? Oh. Here's the edge of the shoulder no blade. So you're going to be down in here. That's where you're going to be. That feels like I'm on the ball. And that's exactly how it feels when the muscle is so tight, it can feel as, it doesn't even feel like a muscle. It feels like bone. You've got that big shoulder blade, and there's a little ridge on top, and this infraspinase is covering most of that shoulder blade. It's nice big juice. The only bone that I should be feeling, I'm seeing, is this ridge. This ridge, and then there's that edge there, and everything else. They're all muscles on top of the bone here. Where's the edge? On her, right there, I think. I'd have to come around. Right there. Okay. You feel that there? <laughs> and the, mus the bone comes like this. So the infraspinatus is going to be running back from that finger this way. It runs that this way. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like this. Almost like a triangle. And it's going to, it's attaching like over here. And some little tendrils go a little further front. Okay. So, so normally. Something as hard as a bone, there's no bone there. Like there said. is, but it's underneath the 
It's underneath the muscle. Oh, see, and it, it realigned itself is what happened. And it makes sense now when you understand what happens. And it makes sense now that if you release all these muscles, it's going to help it just recover. It's part, it still feels like it's really, really tight. So you don't. This is the bone here. The bone is flat, like this, and you've got these muscles right on top of this flat bone. Okay. Does it make it all easier? So this right here is a muscle over the bone. Right there. Oh yeah. That's yeah. a muscle. Yes. Right here. But it wouldn't be real thick muscle. It's a, yeah, it's like little thin ropes of muscle. It's like. But that hard thing is a muscle. Yeah. It feels like a bone. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Because it's a tough, and remember when a muscle gets tight, it gets hard. It actually gets hard. You'll find that as you work this, it'll start to soften up. You'll be like, oh, now it feels like a muscle. Yeah. And then that's going to get rid of all those waste products and get her feeling better. Finding some tightness in here? I think so. I find it really works your arms, doesn't it? Yeah. When she's here. I, I did both sides. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you hear something. Uh -huh. you hear that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I do hear so something. I That's possible. Anytime you have scar tissue too, working it with massage, it actually realigns the scar tissue fibers and makes them more flexible and better. So, some real good bringing the blood to the area too is really, really good. So, get, putting some nice deep heat and getting some great deep massage all the way around. So, I can't do it to myself. It might be tough to do to yourself. Often, if you've been having a lot. Nothing there. I just want to feel your pec major. Because often this area relates to this. Feel how so tight that is? Yeah. So often this tightens and it stretches back there. Doing these. And see, all of those things are wonderful, but we need to stretch afterwards. So after doing all of these, then we need to do the opposite. And you know, if you do, if you do weight training, clinical trials show you get a 20% increase in muscle, muscle growth if you stretch after doing the weight training, because you get more blood and the muscle builds bigger and better. <laughs> A lot of us are tight there. We don't realize how much we reach back to. We're not just doing this, but we're reaching back to. Is he so muscular? Oh yeah, with him, I'll tell you what I would do. Let me stand where you are. So you find this, I would just lean like this. Don't hurt yourself. 
feel a little tenderness in here. So, if someone's big, never try to, um, and strong, yeah. don't try to muscle your way. Look, I'm just leaning with my body weight. I'm kind of supporting him right oh, here. Okay. And I'm leaning with my whole body. Try that. You have to work smart. <laughs> How's it going over here? You found a good spot. I can tell you're a good therapist. <laughs> I can tell you have some training. How's <laughs> that? Oh, exactly. The more you can, and the straighter your thumb is if you do use it. Often, you know, if you do it, even you can do it like this, support it so everything keeps straight. It makes it stronger. But, um, you know, most of the time I, I like to use this, but it's easier when someone's lying down. When they're not stable, it's difficult. Or you could do what, what we just did there, too. Just using the whole flat, not the point. Okay. Not the point of it, but the flat mm. part. How does that feel? It's not in sound. Not as effective. No, no. If I'm oh, holding no, her here, there we go. Oh, a little too yeah, much. Yeah. Is that yeah. better? You gotta hold yeah. her back in order to feel the effect of oh, that And you've been working on that side, it's loosening it up. So you always start broad pressure and then go deeper. How does it feel now? Found some tightness oh, there. Yeah, she, she did. Oh, I know she can. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know yeah, she's I know. a great therapist. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, tightening up the muscles. For someone who likes to enjoy her. Ooh. You may want to ask Corolla about that. Um, I haven't worked with that myself, so. Let's ask Corolla when she gets back. It's an excellent question. I'll be interested to know the answer to that too. Years and years ago, I had bursitis. I couldn't raise my hand to comb my hair for months. Oh my goodness. And the only thing that anybody ever did when somebody, I was a dean of girls at that time, somebody came in and gave me hot and cold treatments. But and it I took care of it. No, it got that muscle. No, it never, it, it helped, but it didn't. Are you still fine. not, you still struggle? Oh, this is years ago, it's fine now, but. But I'm sure that did help, because sometimes yes. people never get that back. So I'm sure that just getting that circulation really helped. Excuse me. You want to, um, it should start easing up within 30 seconds or it's too hard and then you keep doing it until it loosens up. Now I don't want to stay on one spot too long, you know, stay in one spot maybe a minute and a half, move it a little bit off because you don't want to start push all the blood out and starve the muscle of blood. But um, it just depends on how tight the muscle is and how long it's been tight and how dehydrated someone is, there's so many different factors and how long it takes, it's individual. Oh, okay. That's why sometimes I could spend a whole session, an hour, working on the shoulder and it may not, it still may not be finished. They may sometimes have to come back. I often find with a shoulder they need several treatments because the muscle will only take so much at a time and then it's just, it's done. It gets to a point where it's almost irritated, doesn't want any more work. And it's, People have to come back and then the muscle responds more and then it responds more. <laughs> so this is for
frozen shoulder. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I think everyone got a little chance to try the technique. And um, was there anyone who wasn't tight on the back there? <laughs> this is a common place for us to get tight and never ever go and try to work it. So it's a great place to work. Feels really good to get that loosened up. And I just wanted to mention too that often when this muscle is super tight, it often doesn't want to loosen up in one treatment because the muscle gets so tight and stubborn, it just doesn't want to give in. And if you try to force it, sometimes it just aggravates the muscle. So just work, work with the muscle. It should be easing up and relaxing. And sometimes if someone tells you, you know, I've just had enough, respect that. You know, always respect what the body's telling you. I find that often when they come back the second time, the muscle will relax a whole bunch more. And you get a better result if you work on it several times in a row instead of just trying to beat that muscle into submission the first time you work on it. <laughs> so there's a different technique that I'd like to share with you. This is something that I learned um, at a workshop. We had someone come in and teach um, British sports massage soft tissue release. His name is Stuart Taws. He's a really good presenter. And he showed this technique for frozen shoulder. And the technique I'm about to share with you helps a, a frozen shoulder when it's, when it's gotten really um, encapsulated, like Corolla showed that picture, where it just gets all these adhesions and it's just um, bound up with connective tissue in there. And this technique is very easy and um, I actually have used it to great success. Um, this is something that should not have any pain. It's something that... Um, it's just a really easy technique. So um, if someone wants to come up, I will demonstrate the technique for this. Great. <laughs> if you'll just lie down on the table for me. On your back, with your head that way. Thank you. Okay, so with this technique, what we normally do is have someone raise their arm as high as they're able to. And normally, we'll just have him do it kind of this way. And we'll just pretend that she can only raise it this high. We'll just pretend that she's a little restricted. Then what you do is you take, you um, lower it at least an inch so that it's not at the limit of the range of motion. You, you lower it to take some of that pressure off the joint. And I should click onto the next thing. And then you hook your arm over theirs and you can just pull gently to create traction and then you just start cranking the arm all different directions and uh, it can seem a little um, aggressive but by taking off the by coming down a little bit from where it's painful they, they should have no pain with any of these techniques if it's painful then you don't want to continue because pain tells us that we could be causing damage. So this treatment should be completely painless and normally you just, and it can look like you're really just cranking away at that arm, but it should be completely painless. And then the next thing you do is you push on it this time and do the exact same thing. And um, it just loosens up all that stuff that's kind of bound up in the joint 
And I worked on a gentleman who hadn't been able to ra raise his arm for 10 years. I think he was able to raise it about this high. And just this one simple treatment, he was able to go all the way up. And he, once again, he just thought that, you know, I was so wonderful. But it really, it's just really an easy, simple treatment to do. Thank you. So doesn't take long to do it, about five, ten minutes max. Yeah, really easy. You can do that before you do anything else. And this is something you do if they're able to, if they have restriction. Um, normally, they shouldn't have any pain with this treatment. And if it is painful, stop it immediately because they could have something else going on. Just this is, th there should be no pain with this treatment whatsoever. This is beside, yeah, a whole different technique. There are a lot of different techniques for a frozen shoulder. The first treatment, this is kind of how you hook the arm. I was looking for a picture. Um, and that's pretty, pretty much it for the frozen shoulder. There are a lot of different techniques for frozen shoulder. The first technique I showed you is um, just looking, to, looking at the cause of what happened. Most of the time it's that infraspinatus that's pulled things out. And you can see when someone's like this, their shoulders jutting forward and they're struggling to lift their arm. Very likely it's that infraspinatus. And just know that this is something that very commonly happens, but there are a lot of different things that can happen in the body. So we don't, this is a very common recipe, but sometimes it could be something else. So we never have all the answers <laughs> when we're working with the body because there's so many different things that could get tight, so many different things that could feel the same. But always just pray with your client and God will bless what you do. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons please visit www.audioverse.org